This week's episode of the Stretch 4 Fantasy Basketball Podcast is brought to you by Pristine Auction. So in honor of our 20th episode that airs on June 14th, we're going to be giving away a signed Shaquille O'Neal Lakers jersey. And you'll have the opportunity to earn this jersey in three different ways. Number one, fill out a Google sheet on our website. That's www.thestretch4fantasybasketball.com and the details are in the show's description. Make sure you spell out F-O-U-R when typing that into your domain. Number two, submit a review of the podcast and send us a screenshot of that review to any of our Twitter handles, at Dan Titus, at Zach the Monster, at A Burns Hoops, or at Adam Koffler. Speaking of at Adam Koffler, the third thing you can do is retweet the tweet from Adam Koffler's account that will come out earlier this week. So remember, if you're drafting, have a league, make sure you go to Pristine Auction because they have the best swag, memorabilia that you can offer to win your fantasy league. The Stretch 4 NBA Podcast with your hosts, Dan Titus and NBA fantasy experts, Alex Burns, Zach Hanshu, and Adam Koffler. What's good? What's up, NBA fans? Dan Titus here with the Stretch 4 Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about the playoffs. We're going to be talking about some players that underwhelmed in 2021, but we're expecting a bounce back in 2022. And then we'll just get some overall basketball thoughts. But just want to kick it to the squad. What's up, fellas? I know we're we're one Stretch 4 down here with Zach out. But Alex, Adam, what's up, fellas? How you feeling? Feeling, man. Just... Uh prepping myself for the the Sixers Hawks series hoping it goes uh hoping we sweep in four uh rocking my Sixers gear today as you are as well uh yes, and sir. I'm so I'm so stoked uh for uh, this guest we've got on the pod today absolutely so let's kick it off to the man so this is the stretch four we got to have four people representing and we are lucky to have Joe Metz of FTN the FTN fantasy FTN bets he does an NBA podcast with FTN so if you don't follow him and fade the noise, you're you're missing out. So Joe, what's up, man? And resident Bucks expert. So it's great to have you on today. Yeah. We're recording this on Saturday, um, so the Nets and Bucks are going to be tipping off here at seven thirty Eastern. But man, what's up? Good to have you on. Yeah, I, I appreciate it, guys. I've been a, a massive fan. Um, I actually got back in the season long this year, and it's, you guys helped me a lot. Um, but I'm, I'm doing everything I can right now to distract myself from like pacing around my house. Um, in, in anticipation of the Nets, the Nets Bucks game, I'm actually hopping on the NBA stream for FTN after this. With I don't know if you guys are familiar with Stefano Vaccarino, he's a resident Nets yes, fan, so it's going to be quite the interesting stream. That's going to be heated, man. But great debate, though, man. I think um, a lot of the a lot of the the, the uh, commentary I've seen on Twitter. This is pretty much an NBA Finals matchup, like you know, what I'm saying, like in the Eastern Conference, like this is the probably the best two teams, especially with the Sixers down Joel Embiid right now. This is going to be fireworks. But uh, what are you expecting? I guess early thoughts of the series, man. What do you, your shot it's, is in Game One? I think if the Bucks can take Game One, I, I think Game One is genuinely the most important game in the series. Um, I think if Brooklyn comes out and you know blows the brakes off of the Bucks, that will set a tone for the series. But on, on the flip side, if the Bucks come out and, and steal one steal the first game in Brooklyn. I think that will set the tone for the series as well. Um, and I think it's going to be interesting to see both teams play with their lineups and how they adjust because I don't think casual fans really understand just how big of a loss Dante is for the Bucks and how big Jeff Green is as a loss for the Nets. I think Jeff Green was the Nets' best shot at 
slowing down Giannis. I don't think you can really completely stop him. Um, whereas Dante was going to be a pivotal part of that guard defense because now we we don't have a guard that has a lateral agility outside of Drew that where you can cover both Harden and, and Kyrie, and that's what Dante brought on. Pat Conson can't do that. Bryn Forbes can't guard a broom. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see what the rotations <laughs> look like. So who's more important in the series, you think? Chris Middleton or Drew Holiday? Drew Holiday. And I, I say that. I love Chris Middleton, but I have spent the last two years tilting over Eric Bledsoe and like what he should have been with the Bucks. I think a lot of it came down to effort and just mentality. Um, and, and Drew has everything that Eric Bledsoe doesn't have. And he kind of showed that in, in the first round. So I'm really excited to see him really square off with, you know, the cream of the crop guards in the NBA this round. I said this 100%. last week on the pod. Uh, I'm obviously a Heat fan, and I'm talking to Joe here, who is a Bucks fan, and they just beat the brakes off my team in the first round. Uh, but a lot of people were talking about how bad the Heat were because they got significantly worse. But what you just said is true: is no one's really talking about how much better the Bucks got. Yeah. Like adding Drew Holiday and you know putting him, transitioning him in instead of you know Eric Bledsoe is a huge difference. So. Adam, I want to kick it to you real quick. Tell our listeners about a new partnership we're working with Ignition and what they need to learn more about that company. Yeah, as mentioned last week, uh, we've got this really cool new opportunity with a company called Ignition. Couldn't really give you too many details last week, but this week what we can tell you is uh, it's going to be a poker tournament. It's completely free for listeners. Thousands of dollars of prizes are at stake. Basically, the listeners play against the hosts. So that's going to be myself, Dan, Alex, and Zach. The deal is not quite finalized, but it should be in the next week or two. So uh, things are looking really promising right now. And this could be uh, this could be a done deal in the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned for more. Dope, man. Sounds good. And make sure you check out Ignition. Let's continue this playoff talk a little bit. I know we were talking a lot about what the Bucks could do right. And, you know, could they steal game one? This could be a uh, the statement game that they need to win the series. But what are we seeing on the net side? Alex, I'll, I'll take it to you first. What do you think about the Nets? Do you think that they have the path to the to get to the, the NBA Finals? Or do you think that the Bucs are going to actually surprise them here? I don't think anybody's stopping the Nets. I don't see how anybody's going to be able to guard uh, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant. And, I mean, we saw you know, they, they surrendered one game to the Celtics in the first round. But to be honest with you, like I just don't see anybody beating the Nets at all. Uh, I think this will be their toughest test. I think if they beat... Uh, if they win the series versus Milwaukee, I think they have a, a smooth path right into the, the finals, and I don't see anybody beating them uh, in the finals. So real quick, what's your prediction? Nets and what? Nets in six. Nets in six. Adam, what you got? So, so this is this is the matchup between two teams that averaged a total of, I think it was like 239 points per game this season. This, this series is absolutely going to come down to which team plays better defense because we know both these teams can score and are going to run up and down the floor. So can Drew Holiday shut down James Harden a little bit? Uh, again, what, what, like what Joe said, Dante DiVincenzo is a huge loss. But if, if any of the Nets, you know, get in foul trouble or they start to get winded, their depth is lacking big time, whereas the Bucs can bring some bodies off the bench. You know, the Bucs, Giannis has, you know, gotten his shit for, you know, his playoff performances. But I, I really like the Bucs in seven here. I think this, I think this series goes seven, Ooh. but I'm going to go with the Bucs in seven. Bucks in seven. Joe, what say you? I've been trying to approach this from an unbiased perspective, and I, I have been. And I, I think it'll be the Bucks in six, but I think game one is going to be, the, like I said, the most telling game in the series. Um, it, it's going to come down to whether or not the Bucks can actually close out on threes because, I mean, it's different if you're sagging off on a screen on, like, Jimmy Butler than it is, and no offense, Alex, uh, compared to, like, I mean, their fourth best scorer 
is one of the best three-point shooters in the league. Like Joe Harris might be the most dangerous weapon in the series against a defense like the Bucs. Um, right. I do think the Bucs get it done. I, I'm happy that Giannis has finally realized that he doesn't have to close games and you have someone like Chris Middleton on the team when you have someone like Drew Holiday that are okay taking those shots. And that's clearly been a benefit if you look at round one. So I, I'm, I'm going Bucks and six to quote the infamous Brandon Jennings. The Bucks and six always. That's, that, that's for the culture. Brandon Jennings. Oh boy. <laughs> I saw that. I saw that tweet today, Joe. My guy. That was dude. That was like one of the, I was, was in high school and he was yeah, but he was dirty, but not when he's like the pride and joy of your city. That's pretty yeah. sad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was hoping to flip it to uh the Sixers Hawks series. See what we uh see what we think going around the horn with that series. Yeah, I gotta stand my squad, man. I think Joel, I, I don't know, the, the partially torn meniscus, like I, I really just, you don't know the significance of the injury. So can they get it done without him on the floor potentially? I think that they're built for it, man. Defensively, there's a, they're a great team. We saw what they could do. You know, obviously Seth Curry's not going to go for 30 every night, but I think that Doc Rivers has prepared them for this moment. Like they played a significant amount of games without him beat already. Tobias Harris stepped up as that focal point of the offense. I think that's going to continue, but the Hawks are a really dangerous team. So I'm picking Sixers in six. Sixers in six. If Joel Embiid is healthy, I have no idea if they're, if they're downplaying the injury, if they're downplaying the injury or, you know, if this is something that we shouldn't really worry about and they just wanted to give him a night off uh, against the wizards. So I think we'll see game one. If he's uh, Joel Embiid, not really hurt or more like Joel Embiid, Anthony Davis type hurt. Um, and I think that makes, that makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. What you, what you got Burns? What do you think? Complete agreement. Uh, yeah. Complete agreement. I mean, I think if Joel Embiid is Joel Embiid and he plays and he's not, you know, 50% Joel Embiid, I think it's going to be an easy Sixers win in the series. I'll give him five or six games. Eh. I don't think that series would go to seven if Joel Embiid is who he is, but if he's hobbled and he leaves early in some of the games and doesn't come back and it's just one of those, I, you know, it's going to be a, it's going to be a longer series. I would say the Hawks have a chance to squeak it out in six, but I agree with what Adam said. Joe, any thoughts on the uh, other Eastern conference series? Yeah. I mean, I think Adam and I had a really good back and forth on Twitter on Saturday morning about it. Um, it's completely contingent on his health because there's so much ambiguity surrounding it. Like he could be, Fine. If he's a hundred percent, I think the Sixers could win in five. Mm-hmm. I think the Hawks will steal the game, but I think the Sixers need to play him a game to really gauge where he's at. Because if they play him a game and see, you know, he's seventy-five percent, he's just another guy on the court. I don't think it's worth pushing him because that's the future of your franchise. If they shut him down, I think Hawks win the series. If he's fine, I think Sixers win the series. I just, I, I don't know without knowing the extent of his injury. Yeah. He's just so fragile, man. Like, I just wish he would take care of his body a little bit better and learn how to fall. Um, it's 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 the decision making he yeah. he has, like you said, man. Like like there's no there's no need to do that. You're up like big. You're gonna win that series. It's a cakewalk. You know, there's no need to go hard like that. But I think one of the keys that no one's talking about is is how the Sixers can neutralize Trey Young. You know, in that series against the Knicks, he's being guarded by Reggie Bullock. Derek Rose, Rose. RJ Barrett, Emmanuel quickly. Now he gets, you know, Danny Green, Matisse Tybel, guys like that who are fantastic defenders. Like there's those guys are gonna probably neutralize Trey Young a little bit more than the Knicks were able to. And he's not gonna get as easy of shots as he was in that first series. So I I don't know that the Sixers lose it, even if Embiid's not fully healthy. So I think the Sixers can find a way 
even without a, a fully healthy Embiid, to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. I will say, I'd like to believe as a Heat fan that Joel Embiid injured himself on the crotch chop, but I know that's not true. God, this is the most heat discussion I've heard in weeks, man. Let it, let, just let it, let it die. <laughs> Move Stay on. on the golf course. <laughs> They're still packed in, in uh, Cancun right now. Um, so I guess the final, <laughs> the final series we want to talk about uh, real quick. I just want to get your guys' quick views. Suns and Nuggets, man, that's going to be a good series. I'm picking the Suns once again in, man, I think I'm going to pick the Suns in five here. I think the Suns are really good. And uh, yeah, Chris Paul's still a little hobbled, but the Nuggets just went through. Um, I think that that was a really grueling matchup with the with Portland Chobers. So we just had to put up buckets, but I think the Suns team is really built for the long haul. So give me the Suns in five. Anybody um, else? Yeah, I have a hard time uh, betting on Chris Paul in the playoffs. And I, Jokic is having a special season and Michael Porter Jr. is really showing out. I'm going to go with the Nuggets here. I'll, I'll go Nuggets in six. I don't think the Nuggets will get it done without Jamal Murray, just because, you know, Phoenix has so much you can throw at. Um, Michael Porter Jr., like, Mikel Bridges has been one of the best defenders this season that no one's talking about. Um, yep. I think Jake Crowder is still a very good defender. DeAndre Ayton's been a fine post defender in the playoffs so far. They just have so much you can throw at the Nuggets. If Chris Paul is healthy, I think they win in five. Yep. Five. Wow. I wouldn't say five, but I think the Suns are for real. Um, I Even though they did beat a hobbled Lakers team, um, I think they're a really good team. I think um, – yeah, Suns and six. I would have to say that one if if Chris Paul can stay on the floor. Yeah, Mike Ma- Mike Malone should put Monte Morris in the starting five the way he's been playing. I like him. He's great. He's honestly, I was telling somebody this the other day, but Morris is probably one of the most underrated backup point guards. He's just a positive. Oh, yeah. like when you put him on the floor, he's not going to turn the ball over. He's going to get you into your sets, and he's going to nail his. He's going to get to his spots essentially. And no one talks about this guy, but I will say, uh, Fernando, how do you say this? Campazzo. Fernando Campazzo. Campazzo is fun to watch. That dude's everywhere, and he's pretty good too. He's in your he's in your jockstrap too, man. He's gonna he's gonna frustrate yeah. he's gonna frustrate the hell out of either Devin Booker or Chris Paul. He's a classic Euroleague player. He literally sums it up. I actually feel like Chris like, Paul and him are very similar on defense. Yeah, They're just yes, annoying as hell, like super scrappy. They'll do all those little things to piss you off, get under your skin. It's like Pablo um, Prigioni. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was he? In, he was only in Nick, right? Or did he get? Yeah. Did he go anywhere else? I think he was just in New York. Yeah, I think. All right, so let's switch to actual fantasy talk here. Um, we're going to break down three players each who we thought you know underperformed in 2021, but we have higher expectations in 2022. So we're going to give you a quick rundown of who that person is and why we think that they're going to play better in the next year. So I'll start off with Joe. Who's the first player you want to talk about? Uh, DeAndre is my number one. And I, so I joined the startup dynasty this year, drafted DeAndre. And I was, I was pretty disappointed with, with what he uh, brought to the table. He didn't, he didn't have a bad season, but I, I just think there was an expectation that he was going to take a much larger leap forward, especially with Chris Paul. I thought they were going to run the pick and roll more and they just didn't really do that. Um, we kind of saw a really negative correlation between him and Devin Booker and, and they ran the offense through Devin Booker. The playoffs are what is giving me a ton of hope right now because they're playing through DeAndre Aiden and holy cow, he's playing well. He's shooting almost 80% from the field. He's averaging, um, let's see, 15 and 10 in the playoffs right now. Um, it's just about in line, a little better than his regular season numbers, but he did have a game, I think it was game four where he had like 8.6 boards. So obviously in a small sample size, we'll bring it down. But, I mean, he will bring scoring. He'll bring field goal efficiency. He will bring rebounds. 
he, because he's a traditional big man, he's not handling the ball with Jokic. He won't kill you with turnovers either, which I think is important when looking at modern big men. Um, Absolutely. So I, I expect them to kind of see what he does in the playoffs and, and realize that we should run more through him. And I think with defenses key on Devin Booker, I think he'll benefit at a, at a bit of a suppressed price next season. Yeah, you make, you make a great point about turnovers too. Uh, throughout the playoffs, he's got all of his games are, besides one, are uh, he, he's had fewer than one turnover in all but one game. And he's shot like, I don't know, 80% from the field or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Going, going for like 25 and 12. Yeah. yeah, this and, and Joe, we play a lot of uh, daily fantasy. This guy's price got down to like 5K at one point yeah. in the season. And it was like, I, I kept trying to like smash him on all my calls. It and never worked. It, it never hit. And then all of a sudden, like the, you know, the one time I didn't when he was like 5,600, all Fair of a sudden enough. he hit. And like he, his price got all the way up to like 7,500. After yeah. that, so I played him every playoff slate so far, and I've, I think I've been one that's that's not gone well. <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy because I think you're right. You know, if we're looking at consensus rankings, Aiton was like a top twenty. Yeah. He's a top twenty five pick, right? So you're spending some significant draft capital there, and for someone to have not as good of a year as his rookie season, I mean, he 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 was down in almost every category. And you're right. You know, when you have Chris Paul there, you would expect more of that pick and roll relationship to work and be more yeah. fruitful for the big man. But, and usually it is, but I think in, you know, maybe two years with Chris Paul, we'll see the next, that other side of eight. And that's closer to that 17 and 10 expectation mm -hmm. plus defensive yeah. metrics that we're expecting. And I had a ton of shares of eight and, and um, it was just gross. I just felt bad at the end of the season. He wasn't playing super well. And I remember that stretch in March where he was averaging like, I think he had like a couple games, 22 minutes, 23 minutes, 18 minutes where his, his playing time just diminished. And that was frustrating, yeah. but uh, you know, he did recover and um, I agree. I'm in agreement on this one. So Adam, let's kick it to you, man. Who's your uh, first underwhelmer turned bounce back candidate for next season? This one's going to feel like it's a little bit deep, but I'm going to roll with Derek white of the Spurs. Ooh. So DeMar, DeMar DeRozan's a free agent. Not sure he returns to San Antonio. Guess who's guess who had the highest usage with DeRozan off the floor? None other than Derek White. And he had a usage of 27.6% without DeRozan off the floor, went up 4.7%, which was also the highest increase on the team. He shot a career low 41% from the floor this season after shooting for about 47% in his first three seasons combined. So that should, that should normalize a little bit back to the mean. I expect him to get over 45%. He's going to be handling a lot, handling the ball a lot more. I could see this guy as a as a twenty point five or six assist kind of guy uh, moving forward, starting next season with DeRozan not there. So Derek White's uh you know a guy who's probably going to have ADP probably north of like sixty or seventy that I think could end up as a top fifty guy next season. Yeah, that sounds like you're 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 teasing a breakout candidate as well, right? Because but potentially. The Spurs makeup, though, like their their core is so young now, and you know their only real competitor to his usage rate is Dejounte Murray, right? He certainly could, he could definitely help and use another backcourt mate of his caliber. And he dealt he dealt with he dealt with a foot injury and an ankle injury last couple seasons, so he hasn't really been healthy. But nothing that I see you know affecting him long term. So just just feels like a perfect uh, spot for a bounce back next season. Alex, who do you got for your uh, first selection? Yeah, I'm not going to spend too much time on this one um, just because it's obvious, but I'm going to go with Anthony Davis here. Um, consensus top three, top five pick, depending on the format, battled through injuries. But even before the injuries, there was a, a month period, the first month of the season where all of the people that drafted him were super frustrated. If you look at his numbers, 
career low numbers across the board in rebounds, blocks, field goal percentage, and free throw percentage, right? So if we're talking about, you know, a nine cat league or a categories league, you know, those are four really big categories that he just dropped down to. Uh, lowest points per game since his sophomore season and uh, just couldn't stay on the court. And so all of that stuff, I think, is going to drop his you know, draft position down a few spots. I think I still think he'll be a top 10 selection in most formats next season. I mean, I think he should be. Um, but his injury risk is there. But I'm willing to, to bet he bounces back in a big way. I think something we need to talk about is, yes, the Heat suck. But the late, yes, the Lakers got bounced from the first round of the playoffs. But I think 72 days of rest between the finals and then this season does take a toll on your body. And that's why the Lakers were just killed with a bunch of injuries and give Anthony Davis a full off season to rest and recover. And I think you're going to get the beast back uh, next season in fantasy. I mean, they were the, the, the first ones, the Lakers were the first ones screaming, Hey, let's start the season later. You know, all this yada, yada, pretty much every excuse they could have for not winning the championship, which we can expect out of LeBron stays bitching. But, you know, I think that time <laughs> off will definitely be well well utilized for Anthony Davis. I mean, we don't really know the significance of that calf injury. I was just praying that it wasn't going to end up being a Durant situation where it started out as like, oh, it's a strain, but then it it turns into something worse. So I think you're right. I mean, you get AD at at 10 next year, you're you're probably going to be pretty happy about that just for the upside of what he can bring. All right, so my guy, I'm going to go with the hometown Sixers. I'm going to go Ben Simmons. Dude was a dud this year, to be honest. He was down in every statistical category, points, rebounds, and assists. And most of this was due to injury, but I think it was also just a byproduct of getting more talent around him. This guy is one of the most creative distributors in the league. He always has, you know, um, one of the higher metrics in terms of getting other people three-point shots opportunities. But I think it was just a year of him getting adjusted to a new Doc Rivers system. Uh, He finished, you know, ADP third round or in preseason. He finished around 96 in average and 125 in total. Just gross. And I think we're going to see him similar to Adam. I think we'll see him normalize a bit to the mean of his career numbers of 16, eight and eight with a combination of two steals and or blocks per contest, which should give you the, the value that you're looking for around that fourth round territory. So I'm expecting him to be better. Interestingly enough, he only played 32 minutes per game this season, which was a career low. So, you know, get him back up to that, that normal minutes, minutes limit. And we're going to see Ben Simmons back to his normal, uh, point God, triple-double potential. Yeah, I wonder why Doc Rivers came in and, and uh, sort of put a cap on his minutes this season when uh, last season he saw uh, over north of 35 minutes a game, like something like Tom Thibodeau would give uh, Julius Randle. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what happened but it's, there. Kind of, but it's kind of interesting, though, because now that we're seeing Shake Milton, I think, is probably on the outs with the squad now that the, the ascension of Tyrese Maxey. I'm actually okay as a fan of the game giving Tyrese Maxey more time on the floor if there's a veteran like a George Hill around him. But we'll see how this shakes out and what team, what team, who's going to be on the team by next year. All right, kick it back to Joe. Who's, who's your second player that you're expecting to back, back yeah. from? Uh, John Collins was, is my second one. And I was pretty high on him, you know, coming into this season. He turned down a max contract in December, or excuse me, turned on a $90 million extension in December looking for a max contract. And he followed that up by posting the lowest points per game, assists per game, rebounds per game, uh, field goal percentage, and minutes per game since his rookie season. Like, he could not have had a worse season when looking for a max contract. But I think a lot of that has to do – it's twofold. Like, Clint Capella there clogging up the lane takes away a ton of rebounding potential, takes away a ton of posts, like offensive rebounds and putbacks. It's all going to Capella. Um, And when Nate McMillan took over as the interim head coach midway through the season – 
Collins saw his minutes get cut back like drastically. They started playing a lot more methodical half-court basketball. Collins, I think, is a more of a stretch big, plays better in the transition because of his athleticism. I don't think he'll be a Hawk next season. If he's searching for a max contract, I don't think they're going to pay him. I don't know if someone will, but if they don't, he's going to have to sign some type of prove-it deal relative to what he wanted to. If he gets the opportunity, I think he can return to the 20 and 10 numbers that he had in 1920. Uh, the big, big part of his game that's improving every year is free throw percentage has risen every season, 83% this year. So if you're in a league that counts free throw percentage, that's super valuable out of a big man. Uh, if he can get his minutes back up, he's going to get you a field goal percentage over 50%. He's going to get you probably 18 points, 10 boards a game. It's, it's a really, really solid buy low for me. One of the strategies that I tend to like, and I know we, we probably do this for football, fancy football as well, is when you got those pl- those players that are on those prove-it deals to get the bag, they usually show out a little bit more and have a little bit more hunger and performance to their game. So love that angle for John Collins. Really curious of what they're going to do with him. Like, is he yeah. going to be able to pull off this sign-in trade and go to another desti- destination, or is he going to have to figure something else out? Coffler, what's your second player? My second guy is is – Maybe not so much a bounce back, but a guy who could be forgotten come next fantasy draft season. That's Shy Gilges Alexander of OKC. We were going through our top 24 rankings last season, and we didn't even have him on the board. And, you know, a couple guys went before him, obviously, because we didn't even know to take him. Um, and, you know, I really think that's a guy who could finish as a top 25 player next season who's going to be slept on because he missed half the season this year. So, Something curious, in the last 16 games SGA played uh, this season, he averaged 26 points, four rebounds, five and a half assists, 1.5 steals and blocks per game. That is better than what Kyrie Irving has averaged in his last seven games with playing alongside KD and James Harden. And SGA shooting 50% from the field as a 25-point-per-game scorer. So it's a guy who's going to give you – high field goal percentage, high free throw percentage. You know, the turnovers are probably going to be there just because his usage is going to be incredibly high. But he's he's the focal point of that Oklahoma City offense. Um, he's his, I guarantee you his ADP is like 40, and he's going to finish in the top 20 or 25 next season. So, Shai Gilders-Alexander is a guy I'm looking to bounce back 2022. I can't help but think that he didn't have a bad season. He just wasn't available. So, it's really just mm-hmm. injuries that held him back, right? And that the tanking process, like – yeah. Oklahoma City mailed that in, you know, easily midway through the season. So they had yeah. no incentive to bring him back. I think I think he was drafted, if I'm not mistaken, as a top 25 guy this season with the high expectations. And he finished on a as a per game average of about 50. So that's why I'm calling him uh, a guy that could bounce back, because I really do think he's going to get back into that top 25. Yeah, I like it. Fair. Burnsby, who's your uh, who's your second dude? Yeah, mine's kind of the same um, boat as SGA, um, Adam's guy. I'm going to go John Morant here. Uh, he was a top 30 uh, guy in, in drafts coming into the season. I would say he's like 28, 29. Um, actually wasn't as good. Everybody was expecting for him to take this huge leap forward, much like Zion Williamson in your sophomore year. Uh, and he really didn't from a fantasy perspective. He's a great all-around player, and we talk about that all the time on this podcast. But when it comes to fantasy – he doesn't really give you the numbers that his name kind of, you know, at the same level that his name is. So I look at his three-point game, right? He shot 33% from three as a rookie. That dropped down to 30% on the nose this year. Uh, he doesn't do barely anything on defense. He, he averaged like 0.9 steals a game and 0.2 blocks a game this year. 
Um, but the reason why I think he can bounce back is because of how he played in the play-in tournament and in the playoffs. I mean, we saw him, he averaged 30 points, eight assists, five rebounds. He shot 32% from three in the first round of the playoffs. And, you know, I think too, if it wasn't for that angle injury in the beginning of the season that forced him to miss two to three weeks, I'm interested to see where he would have finished in the rankings. Um, so this is a guy that I don't want to say he's going to be like a top 10, top 15 kind of player. He has the upside for it. He's talented. But I want to wait and see if his performances in the playoffs are going to carry over into uh, his third season. It's fair. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people probably forgot about that ankle injury because he was playing. He was one of the better guards uh, of the league before he went down with that ankle injury. And he probably came back a little bit early. You mm-hmm. know, that Memphis was fighting for a playoff spot throughout the whole season. So I think that makes sense. Okay. Did, this dude didn't this dude didn't improve at all in the regular season. You know, screwed everybody who drafted him high. And now it's ball or balled out in the playoffs, averaging like 32 points a game. Just so frustrating. He looks so good in the playoffs, dude. Oh my so god, so good. He, so he good. looked like James. He looked like James Harden in the playoffs, man. Like <laughs> that's always like a really fun player to watch, too. Yeah, oh, yeah. His athleticism is ridiculous. It's unreal. But I, and we we talked about it a bunch on the show, Joe. But like the Memphis Grizzlies shooting, like the shooting form of some of the players on their team, dude. It's so distracting. Like Jaron Jackson's jumpers Awful. broke. John Morant is like a little sus, like, yeah. right? <laughs> so ugly. That's funny. Then um, you have then you have Grayson Allen's ugly face on the team too. Sorry, yeah, you, we just that. have you just have Grayson Allen on your team. That, that's enough. Yeah, like, <laughs> no one wants a dookie. <laughs> so my second guy, I'm gonna go with Yusuf Nurkic. He was he had an ADP around the third fourth round after the bubble. Dude averaged 16, 11, and four. So I think fantasy managers were expecting that that level of performance when they drafted him this season. And honestly, it just comes down to injuries. This dude just couldn't stay healthy. Quad, wrist, knee, you name it. The dude had the injury. Um, but he closed out the season, the final month of the of the season, uh, 51 the last 30 days per average, uh, 15, 11, and four with a combination of three steals and blocks. So this dude does everything you want. He, he upped his free throw percentage this year. I think if we can get a full year of Yusuf Nurkic, we don't know what this Terry Stotts, and now that he just got fired, we don't know who the new head coach is going to be, but we do hear that Damian Lillard likes Jason Kidd. So, hey, I'm, I'm cool with that. Let me, uh, let me, let me get uh, Jason Kidd as the head coach, get a guy like Damian Lillard who can clearly run the pick and roll, get him a little bit more activity. But one of the bigger things that I noticed about um, the situation for Nurkic is that Enos Cantor is going to be a free agent this offseason, so there's literally no depth behind him. I think he's going to be a smash uh, center position if you don't get one of the big name players next season. So give me a bounce back of Yusuf Nurkic. Fact check me on this. There are two different kinds of players, but when Jason Kidd was the head coach of the Nets, wasn't that Brooke Lopez's best season? Like I think when he averaged like 20 points, I they don't yeah. have it in front of me. Yeah, yeah. that was before he was. became Splash Mountain, right? Yeah, like, that was, he was when he was actually, actually like a, a low post man. presence. And, yeah. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So yeah. that could be if Jason Kidd does get the job, maybe Jason mm-hmm. Kidd is like the, the big man whisperer and knows how to yeah. you know, utilize Nurkic. As long as as long as Nurkic can stay out of foul trouble, which in the regular season should be fine because people don't go as hard in, in the playoffs as in the playoffs. Uh, Nurkic is one of the most frustrating people to roster in DFS as well, man, because yes. you get you get Portland games that go like, you know, they score like 150. They go to double overtime and Nurkic only plays 28 minutes because he fouled out in the third quarter. So <laughs> extremely, extremely frustrating. This is this is something that happened to me recently. So clearly you can see that I'm pissed off still about it. <laughs> All right. So Joe, who's your last who's your last person that you have? Um, so I'm kind of sticking with the theme of John Collins and guys that are probably in a prove it season. I went with Mitchell Robinson. Um, I was pretty high on him heading into the 2021 season. If we're talking about guys made of glass, he has to be right up there with AD. Came back from a fractured wrist or fractured hand and 
March. One of his first games back landed weird on his ankle against the Bucks and fractured his ankle. He is probably one of the best rim protectors in the league when healthy. He, again, when healthy, you have to take with a grain of salt, but he's putting up nine points. Eight, he can put up nine points, eight boards, two, three blocks a game, high field goal percentage. He's just a very good late round target, but there's so much risk. The Knicks have a, uh, a team option of like 1.8 million next year. I think they'd be dumb not to pick it up and actually just. You know, 1.8 million in today's salary cap is absolutely nothing. So giving him the keys to kind of like prove why he does deserve the contract he thought he was going to get before this season. Um, I, I think his his draft price is going to be incredibly low, especially with people seeing, I don't want to say the emergence of Nerlens Noel, but uh, Tom Thibodeau's willingness to use Nerlens Noel in a very similar role. People are kind of forgetting that Mitchell Robinson is probably going to fit right back into that same role. He'll come with games where he gets five six blocks and it's really hard to find in dfs or excuse me um season long now do too much dfs bro just your, your mind your mind is constantly i feel i, I feel you man wasn't wasn't nerland's noel on a one-year deal as well with New York? he was too yeah so if, if they did. deem mitchell robinson healthy enough they might not even need to bring nerland's noel back depending what they want to do with julius randall and things like there's a lot of moving parts in the next um on the next roster right now you sticking to your strategy of the the uh, the opportunity there. He's only that's crazy. He's only working on a one point eight million dollars salary, so he's, he's gonna also like twenty three. He's like he's really young too. Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. Especially that sounds like a dynasty target. Shouts to you, Zach. It's the mock draft rankings not too long ago. All right, so Mitchell Robinson was Joe's last bounce back candidate. Coffer, who's your last guy that you want to talk about? Here's a guy that Burns has been hating on all season. Marvin Bagley the third. Ooh. Wow. So listen. So That's listen. Gross. Marvin Marvin Bagley was a, was a second overall pick in 2018. The second overall pick. <laughs> each of the last th- each of the last three seasons, he's gotten progressively a little bit worse. So he can't. <laughs> there's there's not really much m- much place to go than up. And all he he hasn't gotten the minutes that he needs or that he really deserves to be able to you know get in a groove. So he played. 30, he played 10 games of 30 plus minutes uh, this past season. In those 10 games, he averaged 20 points and 10 rebounds a game. So he gets the job done when he plays heavy minutes. I think what's the, the problem with the Kings was you've got two guys in Rashawn Holmes and Marvin Bagley who both really can't shoot the three. Bagley really hasn't developed the three. I tweeted, I had a tweet this morning that said the successful teams in the NBA all have a, a stretch four. Can, that can step out and hit the three. Maybe the Kings go a different direction with Rashawn Holmes, uh, a free agent after the season. He's going to command a, a large contract. Maybe they move Marvin Bagley to the five. He's 6'11", 240 pounds. He's bigger than you might think. So put Harrison Barnes up at the four as a stretch four, Bagley at the five. I think he can excel there. I really do. And if you give Bagley 30 minutes a game, like, it's definitely a possibility. Hassan Whiteside's not going to be there. He was on a one-year deal. So, if they don't bring Rashawn Holmes back, I'm I'm telling you, Marvin Bagley to the moon. The problem Burns is if is they – disgusted if, right now. If they, but, if, but if they bring Holmes back, all bets are off. To the moon should never be mentioned in the same sentence ever no, again. This is I disgusting. I was literally about to say, what, what is Marvin Bagley's moon? Is that like 20 <laughs> minutes down the block or is it like no, man. Dogecoin moon? I'm talking. That's crazy, man. I'm talking Dogecoin here. He can go like- higher. He can, he can go higher than Dogecoin. Dogecoin to the, moon. to the moon. I'm talking about a guy. Why can't Why can't he average twenty and ten? Because he's Doge Doge Deputy Deputy Black 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 Black. Black. <laughs> coach.
that's, that's I was for. like, I was like a big truther. I had a lot of shares of him this season, and he just killed me in multiple leagues. And I just, you can have all the shares, and if you are right, and he does average twenty and ten, I will admit it on the podcast. But I'm he's not also I, so twenty six percent usage without Holmes off the without without Holmes on the floor. So it's it's say, very I, I, dependent. I like, yeah, it's contingent on if Rashawn Holmes opens up that spot and they actually make that decision to make that that move to him as this, as a center, kind of like Anthony Davis, like. He doesn't want to play center ever, but like he's just better at that position. He's more more uh, useful that way. Yep. I think it could definitely be a, a good spot for Bagley. It's just a matter of like, he's just got to get out of this. I don't know. He doesn't like the franchise. He's already said he wanted out. I just think he needs a new destination he's, at this point. Yeah, I mean, he's also a likely candidate to be traded, like like much like John yeah. Collins, and he could be he could be right. on a prove it deal. So yeah. he's got he's got all the talent in the world and the draft was, capital. Was not expecting that one. That that was a. Uh, that was definitely a surprise, but I, at least you're going bold, man. I like the spiciness. Birds, who's your uh, who's your last guy you want to talk about? My last guy uh, averaged more fantasy points per game than DeMar DeRozan, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, CJ McCollum, and Chris Taps Porzingis, which is not a hard thing to do. Uh, but it's Christian Wood. Uh, Christian Wood was fantastic this season when he was healthy. He was one of my guys that I was screaming from the rooftops about heading into the season. I think at one point ESPN had him ranked like 140 uh, before the season, you know, like a month before the season, which is just blasphemy. Um, ESPN has no idea what they're doing. Let's be honest. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. (laughs) Ridiculous. When I saw that, I was just like dumbfounded. I think, uh, I think honestly, if if Christian Wood would have been on the court for most of the season, I think he would have actually given Julius Randle a run for the most improved player of the year. um, Mm -hmm. Just the kind of season that he had. So I mean, we've talked about him at length, but Christian Wood's uh, a guy that I think if he could stay on the floor, he's going to just completely shoot right past his average draft position next season. And I will say, he's going to be a prime part of Houston's rebuilding you know, movement, which they have uh, Jay Sean Tate, Kevin Porter Jr., K.J. Martin, and most likely Cade Cunningham. So that's going to be a really solid young squad. Totally agree, man. No disagreement there. I have a lot of shares of Christian Wood myself, so definitely a good good bounce back candidate i'm gonna end this segment with kobe white not that sexy he started out consensus ranking preseason was 81 this dude was benched midseason for thomas sadaransky which is pretty pretty sad i mean the dude's like what 29 30 years old journeyman like nah like so why am i so optimistic like i think this guy's gonna i think he got out of the doghouse of billy donovan he improved statistically, actually, across all of his uh, major metrics and points, rebounds, assists, field free throw percentage, and three-point made. But more importantly, I love his connection with Nikola Vucevic. Did you know that he assisted Vucevic on 46 assists in 26 games, the most by any Bulls player? Caveat, Zach Levine was out for some of that, that those contests, but... I think we're going to see a lot of opportunity for him to grow in year three. Sadoransky's got one more year in his deal, $10 million, $5 million dead cap. Wouldn't be surprised if he's moved to give a little bit more run to the young bull that is uh, Kobe White. So with that, do you guys have any other parting shots or honorable mentions that you want to discuss for your bounce back candidates for next season? There's one player that I dislike more than Marvin Bagley, and I'll say it right now just because you talked about the Bulls, but Laurie Markkinen, off the train. Like I was waiting for three years for this guy to take a next step. I think the Bulls were too. I don't want him on my team. That's just an honorable mention. I, uh, I feel that. I, I feel like I have to throw some respect towards Alex. So I'm going to shout out Tyler Hero quick. Um, I grew up <laughs> right down the street from yeah. him. But I, I legit, like, I, I just think the expectations were too high coming out of the bubble. He's a rookie shooting in an empty gym, and things got real year two. 
Um, Goran Dragic might not be back with the Heat. If he's not back, that opens up a ton of usage off the bench. I think he'll uh, he, his three-point percentage dropped about 3%. So I, I would see that. Hope to see that come back. But I'll, if, if he doesn't put it together in year three, I'll be on the same train you are with Lowry on, on Tyler Hero. I think Hero gets traded. Yeah, that could help him. Though. That could that could that definitely could help him. Yeah, Pascal Siakam for me. Toronto's been through the ringer uh, the last couple seasons with COVID. This season they had to play in Tampa, so they weren't even in their in their home territory. Uh, he was drafted as a consensus top top twenty five guy and finished as a fifty four on a per game average. So. Look for Pascal Siakam to bounce back in 2022 when they're back up in Toronto. Good stuff, fellas. Joe, just want to thank you for coming on the show, man. You're welcome. Guest of the Stretch for anytime. Appreciate Make sure it. to follow him on Twitter. Joe, tell him what the audience can find you and everything you're working on. Yeah, um, so jmats34 on Twitter. The number, actually, people think it's Giannis. It's not. Um, it was Devin <laughs> Harris. If you guys remember Devin wow. Harris. No, Devin Harris. no, no way. Wisconsin, <laughs> Wisconsin, right? Yes, I went to high school with him. Um, oh, so awesome. I was like a big Devin Harris guy. Um, yeah, JMS34 on Twitter. I write this week, I'm writing four NBA articles a day on FTN Bets and FTN Daily. Um, we're still pumping through the playoffs, so it's a ton of fun. Awesome. Dope, dope. And yes, so make sure you guys, um, we're going to have some really cool promotional opportunities. We mentioned in the beginning of the show, Pristine Auction. Make sure you follow us, get the details, do everything you can to earn a signed Shaquille O'Neal Lakers jersey. It's really dope. Want to check that out. Also, check out Ignition. We'll give you more details in our description of our podcast episode. But with that, we'll catch you all next week. We'll holla at you. Peace.